press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, Ooh drama. drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got nom? They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater, pop culture, love, and life. I'm Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, I feel so happy. It's Friday in New York City. We're riding off the high of having seen Take Me Out last night. I know. And it's a new year of podcasting, too. Yeah, this is the this is Drama's 2023 debut right now. I'm so excited. And this idea of having the Take Me Out guys on the show. Three of our favorites. Three of our faves. We were like, okay, we want to get as many as we can, you know, in it. And yeah. you know, as the show says about life and baseball, it's in, there's threes. There's yep. like these, these multiples of three that keep coming up. So we were thinking like, you know, as, as non-sports fans. Well, as appreciators of the sport. Yeah. Of lots of things, especially Ohio State football. But we were like, okay, what should we call it? Like three strikes, three bases? I think three pitches is fun. Three pitches? I don't know. We're, three rounds doesn't seem right. That's not baseball. Yeah. Or like a home run because we're rounding third in a way. I don't know. I don't know. Well, we're ironing it out. But anyway. I'm so excited because we did see yes. the show last night. We did see me for the third time. This rule of threes. Yes. Really oh, nice. oh my God. That's good. It's, it's, I'm being a theater nerd today. I know. No, I love it. It's such a brilliant play. It won Best Revival of a Play at the last Tony Awards. Rightfully and so. And then it mysteriously appeared on social media. And it was coming back. And I'm so glad it's back because this, I don't want to call it a revival of a revival, but this next evolution is even bigger and better than before. I agree. And I said this to you last night. I feel like it is such a good play and I wish it could keep running. Yeah. Because there are so many plays that you see that are so boring and bad. And <laughs> and this one has big ideas, but also great dialogue. It has a plot that moves forward and also backwards. And you really, yeah. it's important. The themes, everything in it yeah. needs to be seen. So I'm sad that it has a shorter run. So people have got to go see it. Yeah. But anyway, Dylan, I'm going to bring in our first Yes, guest. this is really exciting. I think uh, up to bat. Yeah. Oh, first up to bat. It works, right? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Our first guest today is someone that you will surely recognize by his bare torso. This terrific actor stars as Rodriguez, one of the baseball players in the ensemble cast of Take Me Out on Broadway. Despite this being his Broadway debut, he's previously performed on stage in Vanya Sonia Masha and Spike, as well as Bodas de Sangre, for which he won the Premios Ace Best New Actor Award for his role of Leonardo. On screen, he's memorably appeared in The Deuce, Alternatino, The Jim Gaffigan Show, and Inside Amy Schumer. He's even a voice actor in the video game Red Dead Redemption 2. We're psyched to be chatting with one of Broadway's newest breakout stars, Please welcome to drama Eduardo Ramos. Thanks, boys. <laughs> hey, how are you? I'm great. Happy Friday. Yes. Well, I hope that you had as much fun last night performing as we did seeing the show. Right. Thanks for coming through. It's uh, and it's always a blast getting to perform with this cast. It's incredible, always. Even when we're tired, it's such a great team. <gasps> I love that you think of it as a team because, I mean, on stage, you truly are and off. 100%. I mean, we've been together now for three years, pretty much. We all met in um, the end of January of 2020 because the play was supposed to come on March of 2020. And we started our rehearsal process. We were in rehearsals for about three weeks. We were two days away from uh, 
getting into tech, we had just gotten our uh, our costumes fit. And then C'est la vie. Ah. Fast forward two years later, but in that time, we, we did stay in contact. We had our group chat. We Zoomed a couple times. The director and the production company at that time would every couple months drop a note and say, hey, uh, we still want to do this show. We want everyone to be in it. And, and uh, we're not sure when, but as soon as we get the, the green light, uh, we want to make it happen. And just that in that support is kind of what helped throughout that whole time, knowing, hey, this is going to happen. It's it's all good. I, I never felt like it was totally gone. Mm. And that was um, something really important going through the whole uh, the whole like quarantine process and all that. And then to come back this past year, just to just rekindle all those relationships and build on it. And I mean, the the cast, 100 percent a team and also directorial staff production team everybody just a whole lot of magic to make this happen so it's been a really special experience and now we have one month left of our uh of what might be our last run on broadway as this collective now is where the nostalgia starts to kick in and you really just appreciate every every moment every show that you have left wow. totally wow what a what a wild journey that it's been on and i'm so glad it came back technically three times there's this rule of three thing it's yeah. really weird wait thing. so I don't know if you can say or not, but when you guys were closing at second stage, did you know you were going to be, that it was going to continue on again on Broadway? No, we, um, we thought it was done, especially as, uh, you know, we, we also assumed that some of the the leads had prior commitments that they were going to be hopping into and that that's one of the reasons why it was such a short run to begin with. But what we did know at that time too, was that second stage had also had commitments coming up where they couldn't really extend. They they agreed to have another play come in. So that was the run. It was wild because I still remember those last couple weeks of the play at second stage, it reached new heights. We, at some point in the run, we got in our groove and we thought, all right, this is the play. And then the play just went to the next level. Like, I think maybe around, not maybe right after the nominations and mm. things like that. And it was, we, we were selling out every night. The energy was just, was just electric and that, the audience support gave us, helped us find new things to bring to the stage and it just kept raising, the bar kept raising. And that, that last week of shows, we were um, knocking it out of the park. Oh. <laughs> yeah, you had to, you had to. And then it was over. We were, we, we still had energy left and we still wanted to give more, but it was done. And then the next day, it was, we ended on the 11th. The Tony's was the 12th. We win the Tony. <laughs> and then that was it. Yeah. We thought it was over. And then maybe a month later, uh, Scott Ellis, the wonderful, incredible, super talented Scott Ellis, started making his rounds calling. I was actually at a softball game. Of course. And he called and was saying, hey, uh, just checking in. There's like a 50% chance the show comes back around Labor Day. Would you be interested? And it's like, are you directing? Is everyone in? I'm in. Like, <laughs> and he's like, seeing the, yeah, yeah, I'll be directing. We want everyone to come back. That's the goal. I'm like, all right, I'm in. I didn't hear anything until the end of August, which at that point too, that's when doubt started to set in because I'm like, oh, I remember he said around Labor Day. So this is kind of too close to call now. So maybe it's not happening. And then sure enough, maybe the next day he called and said, hey, we're about to go into negotiations with with a theater. The leads are in. Everyone's in. We're at like 80%. Are you still in? Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> Here we are. I love it. Oh, my God. Take a nice little summer break. 
It's such a great play. I mean, like we were saying, it's, I'm so glad that it's back and that you're back. Now, this is your Broadway debut, and I'm so curious about your life, Eduardo. So we like to ask all of our guests about the moment they realized that they, as Dylan said, caught the bug. And we call it a Ring of Keys moment on drama. But do you have do you feel like you have a moment where you can remember thinking like, oh, I need to be involved in the arts in some way? Yeah, um, 100%. I was, a, I was a senior in college. I was playing lacrosse at the time. I, was, I played all four years. It was my last season. And since I was ahead on credits, I only needed two classes to graduate, but I needed three classes to be considered a, a full-time student to compete in NCAA uh, sports. Yeah. At the time, I had a teammate who was really curious to study acting. He's one of the funniest people I had ever met up until that point. And uh, he's still a very funny guy. <laughs> uh, Mike De Laurentiis reached out to me and he was like, hey, I'm going to, I want to take this acting class. Uh, do, do you want to take it? And yeah, we went, we spoke with the, uh, with the professor and we asked if it was okay if we could hop into 200 because 100 is intro to theater. And we just, Hey, we want to take it seriously. If we could uh, get in and he said, okay. And you know, black box theater, just, uh, you know, it was incredible. Five months of, of acting class. And it, it really blew me away. I, I didn't grow up a theater kid and I was so blown away how similar team sport concepts and principles are to theater. Right. The mm-hmm. whole thing about uh, a bunch of individuals coming together with one common goal and, uh, you know, like you doing your individual part to support the team and the whole coming together team and cast, of course. And then I also I was a double major. I did business and Spanish lit. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about studying literature is the uh, the breaking down of what the of what the author, what the writer is really saying. So then to be able to do that in an acting class and then take that and bring physicality to it really it meshed my aptitudes and interests together and i was like oh this is yeah this is incredible and something that i never thought i could do i just it never had crossed my mind and then it really changed my outlook how i was going to approach my uh my life going forward what were you planning on doing after school that summer before uh, my senior year i was interning in new york city uh working in uh working in marketing and uh, I was approached to model. Oh, okay, cool. And uh, I had gotten signed by a, a modeling agency in New York City. So I'd started going on castings, like on my lunch breaks and things. The year before I had studied abroad. So I was really intrigued about living in other places in the world. And then when the modeling thing came as an opportunity, I thought that at least for those first two years after school, to um, try to get representation in different parts of the world and to model in different places, because I was most curious about not necessarily visiting a place, but living there and going about my day as, as other people in the cities do. And sure. so that was the, that was that, that short-term goal. But then I thought maybe after that, go and get my master's or, yeah. you know, go get a job. And then I was like, Oh, but then with this acting thing, I could maybe I could start studying. And then when I moved to New York, then go at it full speed and, um, that's what I did. I did two years of like I would six months live um live at home and work in New York City and then six months bounce around bounce around the world living in different places and and working and then I moved into New York City and immediately started studying full on scene study class, on camera class, workshops, voiceover, everything, just going at it full bore. Wow. That's so cool. I love, I, I love the journey you mm-hmm. took. It's so unique, I think. So we talked to so many people on this show that are like oh, I was in this production in middle school or this production in high school and I knew, and then my mom signed me up for dance class and I did this and that, whatever. 
I love that it came for you a little later. I mean, still young, but yeah. you had you were doing lacrosse for all of college. You were studying other things. I feel like you had such a vast a variety of interests and skills, and you followed the one that really, I don't know, that your heart was telling you to go towards. It's just really special to find it because growing up, you you meet friends and who have talents, who are talented at things. And I never necessarily felt that I was talented at one thing, that I was I was good at stuff and if things that I put my energy and effort towards that, you know, get positive outcome, but I was never necessarily like the best in anything. And um, to find something like that, that I really felt connected to was, was awesome. And then to be able to actually do it as a job is just such a blessing. It's incredible. Yeah, I can only imagine. That's so Wait, special. What college did you go to? Ursinus College. It's a it's it's a weird name. U R S I N U S. It uh it's outside of uh suburbs of Philadelphia. Liberal arts. Okay. Are you, are you from PA? No, I uh, I grew up in New Jersey. Oh, okay, nice. Okay, so now you're on Broadway. This has been a really wild experience. Oh my, I'm sure everyone's like, "What's it like being naked on stage? Mm-hmm. What's it like?" Well, you know, all the, the classics. On that note, oh, do, you, do oh. you guys get do you get nervous before that scene, the shower scene? Not so much anymore. Yeah. Used to. You, you, I mean, a whole, a whole lot of nerves. But I got to say, one of the things that really helped is the way the, uh, the lighting design is. Because hmm. the, the lighting is so, um, is so bright from, from the top and from the sides that you can't see the audience. All you can really see is down the line. You can, you can see oh. the other actors. So that's it. That's all, you, that's all you can see. So it, Wow. It, makes it feel much more like a like a team like showering and whatnot yeah has there ever been a weird audience reaction during that scene like any cat calls or hollers or anything like that oh yeah oh yeah anything like insane worth noting (laughs) well once i remember my first line in in the shower is when i i call to martinez i tap him on the shoulder and then i i call out to him and this one time instead of instead of like if if you guys are are the are Martinez and I'm showering this way, instead of addressing him like this, mm-hmm. I turned to the audience and then I tapped him this way. And I go, uh, oh yeah, Tico. And then I look towards the audience and someone yells, see? <laughs> and uh, and like that whole section started laughing and it was, it was a funny moment. You kind oh, of laughed eyes and then you you go and kick it back up. But yeah, yeah people, you hear a little things around that's so funny yeah i mean i think it's like even as an audience member i sort of tense up like they're naked right now like act normal you know it's one of those things so i think sometimes people just say things to like break maybe their own nervous tension or <laughs> well, um, it's, like it's funny you bring that up because that is one of the reasons why our director scott ellis decided to put the the shower downstage in the front because it's almost it's flipping the um that awkwardness hmm putting that on the, on the, on the audience. Yeah. And, Cause he could have very easily put it all the way in the back or we could have had a towel rack or there's other ways to do it besides full frontal as it is downstage. And um, cause it's part of the themes of the play. Mm-hmm. Part of that, all of a sudden that awkwardness when things change in the locker room and does it change the energy of like, is it just a team showering still or mm-hmm. what's going on? And then, so to have the audience be like, Oh, yeah. That's such oh that Scott yeah. Ellis is a, is so brilliant. I mean, he can do musicals, he can do play. Like he's got he's got it all. Actually, 
He was at Top Dog Underdog when I saw it on Wednesday. He oh, really? Cool. The matinee. We were picking up our tickets at the same time. And I almost said to him, like, hey, I, I love your oh, work. Yeah, you should have. should have. Yeah, one of the things, too, that I, um, when we were first doing the table reads of the play, I was so curious to see how it would come alive because it's such a dialogue-driven show. So much dialogue. The narrator saying thousands of words. Oh, yeah. And how, how does this come to life? How does this, um, where's the juice? And immediately once he started talking, he was like, oh, it's going to be like this. I'm like this. And he's like, <laughs> oh, okay. All right. I know where it's going now. It really moves. What's your favorite moment in the show? Favorite moment in the show. Um, I love the, uh, I love the intro. I think it's so cool the way the curtain comes up with the mm-hmm. national anthem and the getting start the, the way the game starts. It's almost because that's all pre-play. That's, there's no words in that has nothing to do necessarily with the script, but it's there and it gives, it gives it that extra juice. I think to, to start to play. Um, I think it's a really cool moment. I love the way the lighting is all done there and the, the set design shout out David Rockwell. Brilliant. But I really like that moment. There's a lot of moments. Oh, now I'm like thinking through all of them in the, <laughs> especially from when we watch on the wings and we see the different things like Jesse Tyler's monologue before we come out with the baseball swings. Oh, and how yeah. that coordinates. That's also super fun to do. And I also, I really like the behind the scene moments of the, um, of when we're playing the game, when the, when the pitch, when there's like the slow motion and all that, because when that's, when that scene ends, almost every actor in the cast is moving, doing something backstage, whether it's, you know, they're getting changed for the next scene or they're going back, but it's all motion in the background. Well, then while you have uh, Julian come out to give his beautiful monologue and you have, so on stage, you have this moment of, uh, of stillness with uh, all this raw emotion, a very uh, powerful and simple scene. And then backstage, everything's. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Cause you guys all have to suit up and everything. Yeah. It's, it's, it's pretty cool. Is it like very timed when you do the baseball swings after the Jesse Tyler's one monologue? Cause it's like, there's that sound effect and each one is like, so specific. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's all it's all queued up, uh, like with and, and another and another and another. And, you know, sometimes the cue isn't right, or sometimes maybe we aren't right. But overall, we uh, we do a pretty good job. I once I once messed up big time during previews at second stage. I stepped out. Uh, I stepped out maybe like um, a line too early, and I remembered. I, I realized it as I was like uh, as I was getting to swinging position. I'm like. This isn't even the thing. <laughs> and I swore. <laughs> and it was like, well, crack. <laughs> Scott, after the show, he came up because during the previews, also, he, you know, you get, you get notes from the directors and all that. He came and he's like, I, I don't need to give you a note about that. You're, you're not going to do that ever again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, thank you for indulging us in these questions. I feel like I could talk about taking out all day. And Loki, we're going to. So yeah, we, we are. Don't more of your time. But we do like to close every episode on a dose of drama. This could be something that's on your mind and your heart that you want to share, rant about, rave about. It could be as you know specific as the show you just binge watched to a pop culture recommendation you want to send people out into the world and consume. Dylan, do you have a dose of drama? I, I do. It, I have to give a shout out to Spotify because it always will. It, it somehow knows exactly what I need. And it was shuffling through like a Discover playlist and there's this artist named Noah Kahan. Kahan. I don't know if you are you familiar with him, Eduardo. No. Yeah, I, I wasn't either. But of course, now that I, it's like that effect where once you hear something, all of a sudden you see it everywhere. He's like this amazing artist, 
And he has this song called The View Between Villages. And I absolutely love it. And I can't stop listening to it. I, I will do this thing where when I find a new song I like, I'll listen to it a million times and then never again. Until like years later when I'm like, oh, yeah, I remember that song that I loved. So. Yeah. Ooh, <laughs> wow. My dose. What about you? To it? Well, I came in with one dose of drama, but then we were chatting with Eduardo before. And I have to say, I don't get starstruck much in life, but his... Pick Me Out co-star from Second Stage, Patrick Adams, is married to Troy Belisario, yeah. who's on my favorite TV show of all time, Pretty Little Liars. And I have to say, I would have been shaken to my core to yeah. see Troy in real life. And you said she's really nice, right? Such a sweetheart. She is. She's so cool. Yeah, we, yeah. we met a couple times after after the shows at Second Stage, and she's she, she's a great human being. I love that. You know, yeah, I, I, I live in New York. I see celebs all the time, but it's the Pretty Little Liars. It would really... <laughs> They would really get me, Eduardo. I Who would you be starstruck by, Eduardo? Who am I starstruck by? Well, I kind of like to think that um, Samuel L. Jackson's My Good Luck Charm. He announced the award when we won um, Best Revival. And uh, so we, we shared the stage. Yeah. So after we, and when we got backstage, I was like, man, I got to shake your hand. You, you just gave us an award and all that. And then um, when we were starting this run, Variety magazine held a panel with different actors who are currently on Broadway and they were they were right before us. So then when they were coming off stage, I got to see him again. It's like another another cool moment. It's just great to be recognized for creative work. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, especially then when you're sharing the room with a, a legend like Samuel L. It's oh my God. just next level. It's like those little winks where, you know, you, you're on the right track and just keep keep working, keep studying, keep keep leveling up, you know. Love it. I think he's going to appear in another mysterious way soon. I don't know how yet, but... <laughs> he, he will. He's on Broadway right now, so you never know. Something yeah, he is on Broadway. That's why he was there, because he's being directed by his wife. Yeah. Yeah. But she's on Broadway. Awesome. Yeah. I also want to see the menu, because it, it also got on HBO recently, too. My friend Arturo Castro is in that one. Oh, cool. Oh, great. Wait, I know I know that name. I know. I know. It's great. Well, he was uh, the the scene that I did in Alternatino. That's his show. Oh, that's... Okay. okay. Daryl Casher, he was in Broad City. Um, oh, yeah, which we loved. That was like, I love Broad City so much. I kind of know. <laughs> um, Eduardo, do you have a dose of drama? We're rounding third. Yeah, we're going to the next space, I suppose. Oh, yeah, we're rounding first, going to second. Cool. Well, taking a little bit from uh, both of you guys, since you mentioned music and Spotify. Yes. In my dressing room that uh, we share with uh, Iram Delgado, Carl Lundstedt, Tyler Weeks, and Julian Sihi. I'm the one with the with the speaker, so I usually try to put on nothing like nothing crazy, but some some good background tunes and whatnot. And two New York based DJs that I play uh, their music of recently, I'll shout them out. One is a, a gentleman by the name of Ellie Escobar, an incredible DJ, mixes a lot of different sounds, very New York and incredible. If you ever feel like having going out a night of dancing if he's playing i highly recommend amazing and one of my favorite genres of music is reggae specifically like slow down heavy dub reggae and there's another dj her name is ayana heaven i found her listening to like old school radio just like radio in the car she's got some pretty good uh playlists also there's a internet channel called the lot radio that's also based here in new york and you could stream her uh, her sets so when the vibe is more chill and more reggae like I go with a, an, an Ayana Heaven set. And when I feel like a little more party, I put on some Eliesco bar. And then when you got to go reggaeton or have it a little more, a little more dirty in there, we put on some Bad Bunny. Oh, yeah. I was <laughs> I hoping you would say Bad Bunny. <laughs> Always. Yeah, the best. He was in, did you see Bullet Train? I did, yeah. He had a great sequence in that movie. Wolf, right? That's who he plays? He plays yeah, Wolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I thought he was awesome. Yeah, that. I love him. Uh, I love all these suggestions. This is amazing. And I love that you're shouting out. You're like such a local guy, Eduardo. Yeah, yeah you are. You're repping the New York sounds. Yeah, to rep the community, man. Yeah. That's right. Well, listen, I think that this is only the beginning. I think for us, at least having just, you know, learned who you are in the last year or so, I think that we're going to be seeing a lot more of you, especially if Samuel L. Jackson is around. So yeah, that sounds good. <laughs> thank you so much for your time today. And you know, I can just, you're so authentic and I can just feel how much this project means to you and your talent on stage is incredible. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah. My social media is on Instagram. It's Nueves. So that's like nines in Spanish. So Nueves and same thing on Twitter. I'm not really that active on Twitter. I try to tell myself that I will be yeah. more so, but uh, that time hasn't come yet. But uh, yeah, social media, Instagram, Twitter is Nueves. That's me. And heavily featured on the Take Me Out pages as well. Thank you so much for your time today, Edward. It was really nice to meet you. Thank you, guys. I wish you guys all uh, the best of luck in your fourth year. And I hope it keeps growing. And I uh, hope we keep crossing paths, too. It'll be a good thing for all of us. Yes. Uh, likewise. I'm counting on it. All right. Well, Connor, I will see you at the next base. Oh, yeah. Drama. Dylan, we're back. Yes, this is the second inning, maybe. I'm not sure what we're calling this yet. This, we're, on, we're at second base. I know, but that sounds like, oh, that's a euphemism. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I realized that earlier and I was like, yeah, we're going to the next. And I was like, no. Yeah, wait, second. Second pitch? Because there's three pitches if, if it's three strikes. We'll figure it out by the time the episode yes. comes out. Okay. But, but listen, we're, we're having so much fun today. Talking, talking about America's favorite pastime right? <laughs> and the men who make it so exciting and take me out and we have a legitimate star everybody watched only murders in the building was it, it a pandemic it would no it was no 20 fall 20 summer fall 2021 it was it was it and was i famously watched it an entire year later yeah you tell me that like, that is good game i watched a year later yeah, once they were finally nominated for emmys a year later but listen he is amazing he's here he's in the show and we we only could pick three Right, right. And this was this we knew we, we wanted to try and get. He's him. in the mix. Yeah, the yeah, mix. yeah. I'm gonna bring him in. Yeah, go for it. All right. So, our second guest today is currently appearing eight times a week as Takeshi Kawabata in Take Me Out, the 2022 Tony Award-winning Best Revival of a Play. This Tokyo native has also appeared on Broadway in Doctor Zhivago, as well as Off Broadway in Romeo and Juliet. Other stage credits include appearances at Williamstown Theater Festival, La Jolla Playhouse, and Berkeley Rep. He's performed in Rent in Japan in a musical adaptation of As You Like It, all in Japanese. He's been famously seen on TV as the ill-fated Tim Kono in Only Murders in the Building, as well as Mr. Robot, Gypsy, Crashing, The Outpost, and The Tick. Are you gagging? So we sure are. Please welcome to drama, Julian C. Hello. Happy to be here. Thank you so much. We're already vibing, Julian. Yeah, we are. We are. I, li- I like second base. So you do? We're, yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're at second base right now. Well, I guess the show has some euphemisms in this play. You know, actually, play, there's that moment when you hear the title of it, and you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's where the title came from, you know? There's a lot to take me out. Yeah, well, well Jesse, Jesse Tyler sets it up really nicely, too, yes. in that moment. Yeah. Oh my God. And I didn't catch it the first time because as we told Eduardo, your co-star, we've seen the show previously, but last night at the Schoenfeld Theater. How was it? Magic was (laughs) happening. You were incredible. Yes. Oh, thank you. Is it always so silent in the room during your big monologue? There 
there's a lot of coughing that happened. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, is it driving? You know, I've gotten used to it. You know, I, I, I try to tell myself to, you know, just focus on what I'm doing and saying, and hopefully they'll stop coughing. It's like that thing where if you yawn, somebody else yawns. When someone yeah. coughs, all of a sudden someone else has to cough. Well, well, listen, up until that point, it's really, really intense, you know, and then yeah, I won't give away what happens, but yeah. it's a big, big event. And then, boom, you know, it's a spotlight, it's quiet, it's dark. So I get it, you know, people have been mm -hmm. wanting to cough and and maybe <laughs> yawn. So that's sort of the moment they can get it in. I know. Well, listen, congrats on Take Me Out. You are so terrific in it. Thank you. And Connor and I are so excited to be chatting with you. I do have to ask, are you well? <laughs> I'm well. I'm very well. Good. Yeah, yeah you know, little little tired, you know, eight shows a week. Mm -hmm. I haven't missed a show. Um, Knocking on wood. Including the um, second stage run. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we're approaching about 200, our 200th show. Wow. Yeah, I haven't missed a show. Okay. Wow. Okay. Have you had COVID during this, like in the middle of the two runs or something? It's, it's crazy because I got COVID the first week of rehearsals. Oh. Okay. When we came back. Okay. So, it, it, you know, it was, I definitely had a lot of FOMO, but it wasn't that bad because it was the same play. It's just a different space, but, you know, same blocking and everything. So I, I didn't feel like I was missing, you know, out too much. And then I was fine by the time we went into tech. So it was kind of good that I got it out of the way, you know, before performance started. Oh, my God. I've had that thought before. I'm like, oh, yeah. I secretly wish I could get it soon. Yes. For this trip I'm taking. Exactly. It's a bad thing to wish for, but then you're not missing out on the show. Exactly, exactly. You, um, are you enjoying Take Me Out, round two? It's it's the best. I mean, you know, I've done a bunch of shows in different countries with different casts and crews, but this one's really special. I think everyone would agree, you know. Got a nice dressing room situation. You know, I'm in the corner spot by the window. Oh. Amazing. Wow. Clutch. Yeah, clutch. It's just, it's great. It's, it's lovely showing up to work. Really, it's just that feeling, you know, when you get up and you're tired and all that stuff. But, you know, at the end of the day, you're just, you just smile because you're like, you're on Broadway. You're doing a play that won the Tony. Yes. And so it's just, it's a great feeling. And it's limited too, you know, it's, we only have four, five weeks left and probably never do this again, most likely. Um, yeah. Sad. Yeah. It's a little sentimental, which is um, a line from the play. But who knows, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> who knows? But th this, yeah, this, I mean, this, this has meant a lot to me, especially because it's a Japanese role and I get to speak Japanese. And there are not a lot of roles like that on Broadway. And coming from Japan, having that identity, it was, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's an honor and I love it. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because we had uh, Telly Leung on a couple of years ago and he talked about how when, if there's like an Asian show on Broadway, yeah. everyone in the past is typically Asian. Yeah. Or well, they should like be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we would hope at this point that's yeah. Right? But I, I, I see well. what you mean. I see what you, you know mean. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like there's not like here and there. And then one Asian mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Or if if it is, then it's it's very stereotypical. And I mean, in a sense, I am. My you know, Kabata is, but yeah, you know, to have a monologue, to have a scene where I'm speaking just in Japanese, you know, these are things that don't really happen very often. Yeah. yeah. And as a as a speaker of Japanese, yeah. is all accurate everything that you're saying in that moment? Oh, I'm just winging it. I'm just, yeah, you just change up. Yeah, I just kind of, you know, just like mutter some words and, <laughs> and see what happens. No, no, no. Yeah. It's um, yes, it is. I mean, Japanese is my first language, technically. Okay. Yeah, um, no, I grew up yeah. there. And I, yeah, I grew up speaking both. So, but I, I I do consider it my first language, having grown up there. But you know, it's funny. My mother came to see the play. Um, brave of her. Very brave of her. Very brave. I didn't tell her anything about it. <laughs> yeah. And um, but she before. she flew in from Japan and just speak okay. some English. But you know, take me out. You need you need some level of sort of English comprehension to really appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. Enjoy it to its full extent. But anyway. She gave me like some notes on the Japanese. Oh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I was a little <laughs> defensive about receiving <laughs> it, but she may have been right on one of them. Okay, oh, yeah. okay. That's still funny. tweaking it. Yeah, still working <laughs> on it. <laughs> no, so we ask all of our guests about the moment that they realize they enjoyed the arts. You're talking about being from Japan. I don't know if yeah. that happened there, but for a lot of guests, it's usually in their childhood. Do you feel like you had a moment back then, or even in the last few years, that was a moment of recognition? We call it Ring of Keys moment, where you realized that you liked the performing arts and wanted to be involved in some way? Yeah, absolutely. First of all, Ring of Keys. I love that. Thank you. Neologism. No, I tried to fit in and take me out. I know. You're so good. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably no, so on mind, right? This I know. I know. Because the words are in our heads all the time. <laughs> but I, I love that because I, I watched Fun Home when it came out and I really, really loved it. I still, to this day, I have a musical theater playlist and three of the songs are in there. And Ring of Keys is one of them. Ooh, what, what are the other two? Telephone Wire. Oh, and that's so Flying Away, the finale. Yeah. You picked all the best. That one yeah. always makes yeah. me. I know. I know. All three of them. I still have them in my place. (laughs) Anyway, my Ring of Keys moment was, it it has to be West West Side Story in high school. So I was a big choir boy. I was in choir, men's choir, show choir in um, middle school and high school. And I think they, junior year, they were doing showboat and they needed someone who could sing a high and they were looking at the choir boys and they found me and i don't even remember what part it was for it wasn't for gaylord but it was for something else anyway i did it and i was like "Ooh, this is interesting you know you get to kind of act too but then senior year was west side story you know i auditioned and i played tony i got the part of tony and i played tony and that was when i caught the bug yeah Oh, I mean, that's like one of the best shows of all time. It is. I mean, it, it, it really I is. Love. And, you know, it's it's so fun. And also, I went to an all-boys school. Oh. Yeah. All-boys Catholic school. So the musical, show choir and the musical were the only activities where you can hang out with the girls. Um, and they were like the other Catholic schools? Yes, exactly. Sacred okay. Hearts. Okay. Yeah. And St. Mary's. Where, where did you go to high school? In Japan, in Tokyo. It was an international school, which is why you know, I speak English and all that stuff. <laughs> and I did West Side Story. 
in high school and yeah that was that that was it i mean you know there are little moments here and there always that totally re you know ignite your passion and whatnot but that that was definitely if i had to choose one that would be it that's the one we need you in a musical next that's what what you've got to be booked in next for sure i need to hear you sing yeah you know i'm okay (laughs) (laughs) you know i'm more i'm more in the actor who sings category for sure okay you know i'm a huge musical theater fan Mm -hmm. you know and so any chance i get like in japan for example like i I would never be able to do rent on broadway you know or or off broadway it's just it's so demanding eight shows a week Mm -hmm. you know but in japan i could somehow manage it Okay. Because you only have to do like four or five shows a week, right? So they're, they're taking care of their actors better. I think. Absolutely, absolutely. And you can give it even more your all mm-hmm. every show. And, you know, they double cast a lot. Okay. So they'll have two Rogers and two Mimis and all that stuff. So, you know, that could be fun too. Were you Roger? I, I played Roger. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's the role, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Getting to sing one song, Glory. I mean, I think that's one of the best songs. I love. Yeah. Yeah. Did it in Japanese too. So that was, that was really fun. But you know, I mean, hey, I, I went in for Sweeney Todd the other day, hey. you know, and I was like, I was a little rusty, but reminded me of how much I like singing and acting yeah. through song. So yeah, we'll see. Oh my gosh. Well, before we let you go, we have to ask about Only Murders Mm. because I'm sure people ask you about it every day, right? Uh, I wouldn't say every day, but when I'm not wearing a hat Hmm. or a mask, people do recognize me as Tim Kono. (laughs) We say to each other in a Selena Gomez, we do it at Selena Gomez, a question to each other that I won't do on the pod. Oh my God. Tim Kono, like how she sent it on the show. <laughs> I'm obsessed with her in that. I thing. would love Brilliant. to hear it. So, I no. know, I know. That whole experience was wonderful. It wasn't a pandemic show, but it was a pandemic shoot. Oh, okay. For us, yeah. So, and it happened in between. As you know, Take Me Out was supposed to happen three years ago, right? Yeah. Before the pandemic, and so when we broke, I didn't have a job, and I didn't know if we were going to do Take Me Out, and then. Only murders came along and self tape for that. And yeah. Okay. Got that, got that gig and, and we shot during the pandemic. And so that was, it was crazy. It was awesome. It was crazy. It was awesome. Everybody on it was great. Just how you would imagine they would be. <laughs> but here, here's the, here's the, here's the funny thing. My friend Erica Hunter, who's been on like 20 Broadway shows. Aaron today's um, girlfriend, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. <laughs> she was like, I, I have I have these friends who are a couple and they're like into kinky stuff, <laughs> but their safe word is Tim Kono. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, honored. Oh my God. That's <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, wow. it's pretty funny. <laughs> Immortal. <laughs> what was it like working with the incredible you know, Steve Martin and Martin Short. And I was blown away by their energy. I mean, Steve was just Steve, like, you know, it was just like in his iPad and like doing crosswords. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but always listening and, you know, always responding to Mar- Marty, you know, it was crazy. Yeah. Marty, look stories. at you with the nickname. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I won't go as far as calling Selena's cell. Do people do that? Yes. Yeah. 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 Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. 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 But we had, we had a few scenes. We had a few days together. I had, I had a day with Nathan Lane as well. Oh, cool. And Amy Ryan, who I was super starstruck by. Oh, yeah. I didn't grow up watching the Disney Channel. Okay. You know, so of course I knew Selena Gomez. Like I, I, I loved one of her songs. Like it's not even one of her more famous songs, but which one? Uh, Naturally. Oh, I don't know that. Uh, one. Yeah, yeah, it's a hidden gem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> did you tell her? It was a good work. I, I think I did. Yeah, yeah. I, I told her. I told her. But you know, huge fan of The Office. So when I worked with Amy Ryan, when I found out, you know that uh, how Tim Kono was murdered yeah i was i was psyched i was really really excited <laughs> that's yeah. amazing that's amazing it's it's such a cool thing to be a part of i wish that you know we could say you'll be back for other hey who knows there's flashbacks that's there's true. always flashbacks true. That's true i mean it was sad they they basically wrote out aaron De- aaron dominguez is that his name aaron in the second mm-hmm. scene yeah yeah I loved him as well. He was in your crew. It was very sitcom-y, like them to cycle through characters every season. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron and I got pretty close. We're um, yeah, we're good friends. Oh, I love um, that. Yeah, He's missed on the show. Dylan loves him. Dylan's always I, like DMing me his and very closely follow his Instagram. Uh huh. That way, let's put it that way. Okay, okay. Well, the latest post that <laughs> that is in my friend's house. Oh, oh really? Yeah. Okay, behind the behind the Insta, yeah. I love that. <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. Oh well, Julian, we're usually we, Dylan and I have so much time with our oh guests. We wish we had more time with you. Yeah, I yeah. We there's have to a lot. wrap up here. All right. We got to get to third base. We are. Going you got to get to third base. Yeah. yeah. Stop just messing around at second base. <laughs> you got to move to third. Now, really quick before we go, do you have a dose of drama to share today? Drama, drama, drama. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's it's a little old. It's like three weeks old. But white. That's all right. That's okay. White Lotus, man. Oh my god, I know. White Lotus just hits the mark for me. Yeah, it is. I I had to rewatch the first season, and I need to. I need to do that. Yeah, again. yeah, do it. And it's just it's even better the second time. I need you on season three now. I'm thinking that. Hey, someone told me it might be in Japan. Yes, that's what they're saying. That, Wait, really? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. The the show runner or creator said he really wants to do something in Asia, at least. In Asia, dude, get me in touch with Mike White, please. Yes. My goodness, I know. Well, someone listening might know. Maybe, might know. hopefully. Well, I'm huge, huge yeah. fan of the show. Yes, I love it. Yes, yeah. that's a great. Julian, thank you so much thank for this. Thank you. You're amazing. Where can everybody follow you? Are you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter and Instagram. More active on Instagram. So yeah, you can find me there. Julian C. Awesome. And everyone should definitely check out Take Me Out through February, I want to say. Thank you so much, Julian. It was a pleasure. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Pleasure is mine. And thank Dylan, you. I'll see you on Thursday. Yeah. Drama. Dylan, we have finally made it. To the third base, base. I it sounds so wrong. Strike three. The third strike, third pitch. We'll edit it in post, as they say. As they say. Listen, I am so gagged that we have this person today. I know because, as we just told him, mm-hmm. when we both separately saw the show, we agreed that this character, this performance, 
is the trickiest one in the show and he nails it. And I think, you know, we were going in, it's like the Jessies. They're like these TV stars. You know who they are. You know they're going to deliver. But this was the runaway hit for me. The home run, as they say. (laughs) Yes. Okay. I'm going to bring him in. Please do. Our guest today is a Tony Award and Outer Critics Circle Award nominee for his current role in Take Me Out on Broadway, playing Shane Mungit. He also appeared on Broadway in Hand to God as Timothy, as well as at Lincoln Center in The Babylon Line. Other stage credits include The Talls and Incident at Vichy. Television fans will know him from The Americans, Blue Bloods, Bull, Sneaky Pete, The Good Fight, NYC 22, Law and Order, Almost There, Forever, Happyish, and Good Girls Revolt on Amazon Prime. He's lent his talent to films South Mountain, Delivery Man, Hairbrain, Staring at the Sun, Dean Aardvark, Trouble, Cut, shoot, kill, and more. He has an unreal amount of talent and range, and we are so thrilled to have him with us today. Please welcome to drama, Michael Olsen. Thank you. Thank you. That's a wonderful introduction. Thank you. Oh, of course. Of course. Thanks for all your contributions. Michael, are you well? Yes, I am. I am well. Good. I'm Um, glad to hear it. People are getting sick and, you know, COVID's still lingering and, you know, knock on wood, I've been fortunate, you know, with just some uh, vitamin C and some zinc and plenty of water. I've been able to stay on the right side of it all. Thank good. goodness. Good, Thank good, goodness. Good. Yeah, I couldn't imagine Take Me Out without you in it. We saw the show last night and I don't want to be too effusive, but you are just giving everything in the show. And I'm shocked you haven't lost your voice. <laughs> I thought I lost my voice after you were, you know, your big scene in Act Two. I thought I was going to faint because I was like, "How did he do that?" Well, th- I appreciate that, and um, yes, you know, it's um, it's it is difficult. You know, I won't I won't lie. I think a big part of the job has been figuring out how to maintain that of vocal ease and stamina. But I, you know, I have to also give a shout out to to the people I'm on stage with. You know, there's, I get a lot of attention for that scene, but you know, I'm not on stage alone. You know, I got uh, two really great actors up there with me who are, you know, giving me things every night to kind of build on and to play off of. And, you know, I don't take that for granted, but um, I'm thrilled that you both enjoyed it and that you got a chance to see it and that you appreciate the work. You know, I, I, I do, you know, I, I, uh, I take pride in that. I leave it out there every night, you know, and, and um, if people buy a ticket, I want them to get the full experience. And uh, so I'm glad that you did. Oh, totally. Totally. Thank you. It's, we got, we were lucky enough to see it at second stage as well. And I think oh. this production is on this, you know, restaging at the Schoenfeld is remounting. Big, remounting is even bigger and better. I know, I know some people, Eduardo and Julian both said that some people will be difficult to give an answer if asked which production they preferred. I can straight up say that I just loved it so much more having seen it the really? second time. Yeah. Really? Really? Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Do, do you think it has to do with the fact that you kind of had an idea what it was so you could kind of marinate in the language and the ideas and not be kind of surprised and taken on this journey and really trying to focus? Do you think that was part of it? Absolutely part of it. I agree with you, though, about marinating in the language and the world you're living in. I will say I still do get distracted during the nude scenes. I'm not, you know, I, I do. I, it took okay. It's okay. It's, thank, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. <laughs> there's Listen, a lot going on, Michael. There's, there's. Truly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but no, it's, it's really great. Now, when you got involved with Take Me Out, had you been familiar with the play yet? There is a pretty storied kind of history with the remounting of this play um, before it ended up at second stage. There was a lot of people that were interested in doing it years ago. 
Uh, matter of fact, I did the, uh, a reading of it when I was still doing Hand to God. Oh, as Shane? As, that's right, as Shane. Okay. And um, there was a whole different group of people involved uh, oh. for the reading and producers and stuff. And different theaters wanted to do it at one time. And, you know, it, it for whatever, for a number of reasons, it just it, it kept getting launched. And then it, it wouldn't happen due to scheduling and theater space and timing and a whole series of events. But, you know, I have been around, Scott Ellis and I have, have been around since the beginning of the talks of doing this, you know, years ago. And um, it wasn't anything where it was like, we're thinking about this every day for, you know, six, seven years. You know, they would just do a reading of it, you know, every year or so, year and a half for new producers, people that were potentially interested. They asked me if I wanted to do it. And I would do it. I didn't spend a lot of time with the material or with the character, but I will say the first time I did the reading of it, it was a cold read because I was doing it in between shows. It was we had a Wednesday matinee and then I went over to Above Sardis and we did it for the uh, for the Schuberts. They just gave me the script and I did it. The story that, that Shane, the character of Shane is is so wonderfully written that it's like if you can just get into it, get in the, the car seat and just go. It, it just it just takes you. And I knew I didn't know if I could do it, but I knew that it was a part that, you know, as an actor, you got you can be like, man, this is a this is definitely a part to really try to play if, if, if given the opportunity. And and I had a lot of trepidation, a lot of fear about it. I really didn't think I was able to do it. And quite frankly, if we would have done this play, you know, five years ago, even two years ago, Jesse Williams and I talked about this. I mean, even in the last two years, I think personally I needed that time to mm. mature, quite frankly. I think everything just kind of happened at the right moment. You know, I'm just thrilled to be a part of it. And, and you know, this is such a wonderful ensemble of people, both on stage and, and off stage. I mean, this was a real real testament of like quality craftsmanship like from the top down and um you know i always feel that when we start a, a rehearsal for something you know you go around the room and everybody introduces themselves and they say what role they're playing and you just felt man everybody is bringing their a game man you know and um you know then we had to shut down and you're like oh no <laughs> And they kept telling us that it was going to happen and going to happen. And I didn't think it was going to happen. I just had to prepare myself like, mm. and then, and then here we are. So I'm glad to have all that context. And to your point, I think Shane, we, we might know the most about him. It, like in terms of backstory, at least from what he's telling us than any other character, you know, we know, you know, Darren too, but now where did you get the accent from? Are you from the South originally? No, no, I'm not. I'm from uh, I'm from Indiana. Okay. Yeah. So I mean, there's there, there's parts of Southern Indiana. I'm I'm sure. not from Southern Indiana, but we're just a stone's throw away. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know? um, but uh, yeah, you know, a lot of it is. Um, first of all, I will just to circle back. I agree with you. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, and I I think a lot of the writing about Shane really helps his presence throughout the play feel more elevated than the actual time I am on stage. I really do think, and that was, I think Richard obviously did that on purpose, but as I listen to the play every night, all of the talk about this character is constantly, he's just never outside of the consciousness of the audience. Mm. And I think initially, especially in the first act, there's just so many questions, but um, 
what was the second part? What were we just talking about? Oh, I was kind of curious about how you developed the accent. Oh, the accent. Yeah. So a lot of it's written. Okay. A lot of, there's a lot of words that are written a certain, to be pronounced a certain way. Now the whole script is not like that, but these handful of words like situations, Mm -hmm. you know, things like that, like it's written in that way. And so you get a sense how much you can play with the pronunciation. I mean, we also know a lot about the fact that he's from obviously a lower class, lack of education. Language is just something that is foreign to him. Mm -hmm. He does not speak a lot. So it gives, it gave me a lot of permission to bend certain words and so yeah i mean we also know you know south of the mason dixon but outside of that it's like the location is kind of undisclosed and and uh he is fictional so and we also don't he doesn't know where he's from kind of so you know i think a kid who grew up in a foster system who doesn't really know where he was born could sound like a lot of things and i knew that initially when i did this reading i thought man you can we can really we can play full out with this with this character with this dialect because we don't have a, a pinpoint on exactly you know a county a state a region we just know we know everything else about him. So that was a fun thing to play with. Oh, I can imagine. I can hear a little bit of it in your voice right now. Well, yeah, I'm definitely in it right now. <laughs> you, yeah, you're yeah, literally yeah. Austin Butler doing Elvis. And now he still has like an Elvis accent, kind of. <laughs> I know. And there's been recent interviews. I, I've heard he's like, do I? Yeah. Do I, do I, do I, do I don't think I do. I think I maybe I, I guess I do. I don't, I don't really think about it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, so I need to ask you, Tony nominations morning. I mean, you can tell us. It's just us here, Michael. Just them. It's just us. <laughs> what were you thinking was going to happen that day? Well, I did not, you know, I did not expect to be nominated. Mm-hmm. You know, truthfully, I hoped. Yeah. You know, um, only because there I had heard things that there were people that were very saying very, very, very nice things leading up to it. And so I did not anticipate it. And um, and so I was not up. OK, OK. Uh, I was sleeping with my daughter Aww. and um, and Brandon Durden, who's in the show, yeah. was the one who called me. <laughs> he would uh, when it was announced. And um he uh, he was the one who told me. I couldn't believe him. <laughs> you couldn't and, believe uh, it. Did you think he was kidding? No, I didn't. Only because of the I knew the, his. He and I have become very good friends in this show. We talk. We have a very unique relationship, and I could tell from his voice that he was he was just over the moon happy for me. And so I just I, I woke up, and of course I went on YouTube or whatever, and and. You know, and then if, and then what they don't tell you is like, then then it all just starts coming in. You know, wow. then the text messages from mom and from da 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 da, and it's all day. It's just all day. It's like more but than your birthday, of, I'm sure. Oh, absolutely more yeah. than my birthday. <laughs> it was a wonderful. It was a wonderful, wonderful surprise. I was honored, truly honored, and and to be in a show where three of the three of us. In one show, got to be nominated, and then ultimately for us as a company to win the best revival. I mean, it was, I you know, it, it's like dreams come true sometimes, you know. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. And you had you had a Tony's night though with Hand to God, right? That the show was really beloved back when it was on Broadway. It was absolutely. I mean, 
you know, not to cast a downer, but you know, we didn't we didn't walk away with any. Okay. But, but yes, I mean, it was exciting. I mean, that was a, that was a new American play. Mm-hmm. Right? It was developed here in New York. It was given the attention to be massaged. It went from EST down to the Lortel, and okay. then it got to from the Broadway. We were rewriting it and and reworking it, and you know, and then to be recognized for that was. <laughs> Right. You know, it was it just felt incredible. I mean, to be just an original American play on Broadway and to be recognized like that and and I mean that was still one of the the great performances I think that we've seen with Stephen Boyer. I mean, uh, he was fantastic. Was that at the booth? Were you, were you guys yeah, right next door? He, that's where he's at right now. He's doing yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Oh yes. Yeah, he's amazing in that too. Um Michael, we ask all of our guests about the moments that they got involved in the arts. We borrow a term from Fun Home, Ring of Keys moment, where that you recognize something in a performance or you were participating, taking in music or something that made you realize, oh my gosh, I love the arts. I need to be involved. Can you pinpoint one of those moments for us? All right. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Being an actor was something I never thought about. And it's all I ever thought about. It's been, it's my big secret. You see, I've always wanted to do this, but I never thought about being a professional actor when I was a kid or when I was a teenager or, you know, it wasn't until like the end of college when I made the decision to move to New York where I was like, okay, this is it. You know, you know, I played sports and, you know, a lot of it was it was all performance for me. You see, Mm -hmm. like I'm from Indiana. Right. So it's like. You know, when I played basketball, I, like I was this character. I was like this crazy Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Brian, do you remember? Do you remember Brian Cardinal? I don't know if you guys are old enough, but he played for Purdue. You know, he, they called him the janitor because he was on the floor. He, he was just <laughs> diving for balls. Like, you know, like that. in Indiana, it's like you know, football, basketball. That's where like all the the big audiences are. Right. And so like when I'm playing football, I'm playing, you know, I'm I'm performing. I'm this, you know, I'm this crazy character, you know, and it was because it was like this is where all the people are on Friday night. Mm. And then when I was playing basketball, I remember I hating it so much. And um, I knew that they were having auditions in the auditorium. So I just left. <laughs> I just left practice and I just I went. I had no idea what to do or anything and i think they were just so shocked that you're here to audition like what do you want to do and um i don't even remember what i did but they gave me a small part in this play and the play was absolutely terrible <laughs> and terrible and i found my tribe you know yeah it's like my people i love despians man i always have and at my heart i've always been one and i've never been Somebody, you know, I think when I was younger, I just loved the attention of it. And as I've gotten older, my relationship to it has evolved and matured, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And what interests me about this work is different than. But, yeah, anytime anybody needed somebody to read something in church or to sing a song or, you know, do a fundraiser or, you know, MC uh, an event, people asked me to do it. And I just was like, I'll do it. I'd love to do it. And so, yeah, I mean, it was kind of um, that's how it's always been. And um, it wasn't really until I came to New York and I, I worked with a teacher where I really started to have do a deep dive into what it what it means to be an artist and you know what it costs. And that's what it's been. 
Oh my God, I could listen to you just talk. You, that, <laughs> you're able to really connect the dots in, in a cool way as well. Wow. So wait, did you go to college then for theater or did you skip college or go, go straight to New York or? That was another thing, right? Like everybody in my town, you know, like they would, they went to like Ohio State, like IU, right? Yeah. Or, mm-hmm. you know, like Purdue or, and I was like, no, 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 no. I had an older brother. I had older friends. I had gone down there. I had done like the fraternity like thing. I knew, I, I was like, I know what this is. Like, I, that's not for me. Okay. So I went to school. I wanted to go to school in Chicago. I want to be, I wanted to be an artist. And I didn't know what that meant. But I was like, I got to go to Chicago. And so I went to a film school there and I oh. I didn't major in theater and I didn't major in um, filmmaking. I did uh, what they called an interdisciplinary degree. Huh. So I was able to kind of craft my major. So there's a lot of dramatic writing and performance and also filmmaking. It's one of the best times of my life. I mean, it was wonderful education being in Chicago, which is a great city. I worked with theater companies when I was there. Um, I did documentary type stuff and a lot of filmmaking stuff. And I did a lot of student films and I did plays. And I knew when I graduated, I knew it was a moment of clarity. I knew that I didn't know how to be an actor. Mm. Truly. And I ran into a professor of mine and I said to her, I said, uh, her name is Gigi Buffington. She's very accomplished. She's in New York now. She does a lot of vocal work um, for Broadway and and things like that. And we've since reconnected about this, but I ran into her kind of on campus and I told her, I think I'm going to go to the Steppenwolf summer program. And she goes, this is what you're going to do. You're going to go to New York and you're going to study with this woman. I study with her. I'm going to call her and she's, I'm going to have her interview you and she's going to, she's going to accept you. And that's what you're going to do. And I was like, this is great. Just tell me what to do. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And that's exactly what I did. I left my lease early. I came out here. I studied with this woman. Her name is Maggie Flanagan. At the end of the six weeks intensive, she brought me into her office. She said, you know, you you have a kernel. You have some talent. You know, I think I think you, it would be, it would behoove you to to stay. And that was all I needed to hear. Yeah. And so I stayed. And then I, I never went back. <gasps> Oh, that gives me Never. chills. I know. And, and, and what's so great about it is that when I when I ran into Gigi, this was when I was doing the Babylon line, which was the other, which was the, the play at Lincoln mm-hmm. Center. We went and had dinner and and I said, Do you remember that moment when I asked you what I was gonna do? And she goes, Oh my God, yes. Because I didn't realize that it was as significant. She goes, I I, I questioned that moment for years. I don't know. I did not know if that was the right thing to tell you, but I and and I, I thought, wow incredible i i really thought it was a moment that just was like right in the, in the ethers you know like and she goes oh my god no i i worried about that for years and clearly you're doing okay yeah. so it was the right decision <laughs> but, wow that's just an amazing amazing gift from the universe right yes 100 100 that is so i love that you were able to reconnect about it too and also her oh. name sound she sounds like a movie star she's amazing she's a movie star in, in her own way but to be <laughs> You know, to have those moments in your life when you're truly, when you're truly vulnerable enough to be taught and to be directed and to listen and then to, to accept that and then to be put on this path. I mean, it's, I feel like everybody has those moments, but they're few and far between a lot, you know, and that was absolutely a moment for me in my life. Michael, I could listen to you talk all day. I'm literally loving this conversation, but we sadly do have to wrap up. We're third heading for home plate at this point. We really are. Before we say goodbye, we do like to end on a dose of drama, which is usually like a pop culture recommendation, or if you want to give like a backstage secret or funny story or anything on your mind to rant about, rave about, it's it's pretty broad. Do you have a dose of drama today? 
I don't have some drama, but I, I do have this. And this is something that I would that I have been referencing um, as a result of doing this play, amongst many things. And it's something that I revisited again recently. And it's this you can see it on YouTube. It's this two part conversation. It took place in 1971. It was between the wonderful poet Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin. Hmm. It was part of this PBS series where these two artists were talking about some of the most seminal questions in society, predominantly about race. Because this play is so heavily emphasized on that and many other things, this conversation came into my sphere. And um, I would really encourage people to seek it out. It's a, um, you know, it should be a case study mm. in society right now. When you see, if you, if you, if you watch it, you're, you're watching two people who are highly educated, who have a tremendous amount of respect for one another from different generations, different sex, disagreeing, clarifying, having discourse in a way that is so foreign to our society right now in present day that it's beautiful and it's packed with, like this play, ideas that are worth thinking about. Yes. Um, it's very, very powerful. And if I know it's not contemporary, but no, it's absolutely, it, there's an urgency to it still to this day. And I will say this, you know, the Vineyard Theater uh, and, a, and a group of artists called The Commissary a few months ago did a, a special project about this interview. And wow. one of the actresses in it was uh, was Brandon Dern's wife, Crystal Dickinson, and she, oh, Nikki Giovanni, and they performed this conversation between her and James Baldwin. Initially, when I saw this document, when I saw this interview, I thought, why in the world? Would people want to dramatize this? Just go listen to these two people. We yeah. don't need to go to a stage. What was fascinating about it was that they were not, it was not a memorized script. They had, they had these earpieces. It was all happening in real time. So you saw actors hearing this interview and then transmitting it. And it really created this alive experience. And so it's been in the zeitgeist, I think. And I think it's just kind of gone unnoticed. And uh, I'd like to bring attention to it. And it's been invaluable to me as Shane, quite frankly. I mean, as Michael, but, you know, a character that that um, has surprised me in so many ways. I mean, I was afraid, you know, after after George Floyd was killed, you know, the world was on fire, you know, and there was a part of me that said, you know, there's no way that society is going to allow somebody to get on stage and just say these things. Like I really felt like the world is just going to say, we're done with this. We're Mm. not going to celebrate this. We're not going to listen to this bullshit anymore. And I was wrong. I was really, really wrong. And a a big reason that I was wrong is encapsulated in this interview between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin. And, um, and I've gotten a lot of, a lot of really good love from the show. A lot of, a lot of black love, man. A lot of black people are like, man, I don't know how I feel about you, but can I get a selfie? <laughs> you know, like, I can you know, imagine. It's like, mm, I don't. Mm-mm. Can I get a hug? You know, like right. <laughs> this very conflicted feeling about the work that I've been doing. And I, I guess I'll just end by saying, you know, I think for a long time I. I thought like many people, like being celebrated and being congratulated for a performance would be the ultimate kind of experience. Right. But playing this part and having so many people conflicted mm. about how they feel in some ways is much more satisfying because I think it speaks to the writing. And I think it yeah. speaks to the relevancy of the underpinnings of the story, because 
let's be honest, man, this, this question of racism and sexism and, and um, how we deal with homosexuality in society, mm. these traditional American institutions, like it's complicated. And I think that the theater, much like this conversation, is a place where people can go and they're forced to be in the presence of something that they don't agree with, they don't like, they don't understand, they don't want to understand. And yet that's kind of what the theater is is supposed to be when it's at its most noblest, I think. Yes. Um, and I certainly felt that way listening to this interview. So, my God, that is such a long-winded answer. No, I, I love it. I studied Baldwin at OSU, actually, in one of my really? best classes I took. Yeah. And I feel like I've seen clips from this before. It was like an amazing documentary. Yes, I'm sure, I'm sure you have them. Yeah, and I think it was parts of it. He was an expat for a while, wasn't he? Didn't he oh, go in, yeah, in France? Oh, yeah. yes, most certainly. And he talks a little bit about this. You know, I started reading Baldwin when we were at Second Stage. And, and my God, man, what, he, he could be one of our greatest American writers, truly. Totally. You know what I mean? The precision and the clarity with which he's able to talk about sexuality, mm-hmm. certainly about race about class, about artistry. I mean, it's, it's, it's overwhelming really. And um, I re- I read, uh, I was reading another country. Did you read that? No, we did go tell it on the mountain. Oh, sure, and, sure, sure. Uh, uh, some of his essays. I think the essays were called the fire next time. Oh my God. Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. And that was great. Absolutely. Absolutely. And then uh, Giovanni's room, I want to say is what it's called. That's right. That was good. Yeah. Yeah, it's very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, look, he's got, got your copy there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I agree. Wow. Michael, you're you're a, a modern uh, scholar here, too. What This is amazing. I love that you're spreading this good word. I don't know what to say about that, but I will say <laughs> thank you. Uh, it's wonderful to meet you both. I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad. I'm so pleased and thrilled that you saw the show. You liked the show. Thank you for your kind words. I hope to meet you both in person one day. We're going to make it happen. Make it happen. Thank mm-hmm. you for your time, Don. This has been so fun. I know. I've loved this. Thank you. Thank you, Michael, for, for bringing us home here on these three, three, ba- what do you think we should call this? Three pitches, three bases, three, three strikes. You're the pitcher on the, the, the closing pitcher. So this was a, uh, this was a stand up triple. I love it. Thank you for there it is. titling this, this series. Yeah. <laughs> we appreciate your time. Thanks for everything, the Michael. Mine, truly. <laughs> All right. Have a good rest of the weekend. You got a happy new year as well. Yes, say it to you. Bye-bye. This was so much fun. I am so exhausted. I'm I feel like I just did nine innings at it was, it was. And you know, there was a seventh inning stretch. There was. Thankfully. Dylan, this was so fun. I want to do three more with three more cast I, members. I know, and then three more. Listen. And that that's the Patreon series will be called In the Showers with uh, the boys. It was so much fun. I think we picked the three perfect guys of yes, two. They all yes. had such different and wonderful things to say. I think they each touched on different parts of the experience of the play. Yeah. Different parts of the way they connect to the play. And also we got to know about their lives a little bit, which is, of course, my favorite part about mm-hmm. doing the pod. Yeah. But Dylan, this was so fun. Yeah, listen, Take Me Out has a rush. I think they it's like $40 tickets if you go in person. And the seats are really close, I think, for Rush, which that is the way to experience it. And like you said, you've got to be close when you see a play. Yes. With musicals, you can get away with being further back. I mean, obviously, price points are can be a barrier. But... This play must be seen up close. The cast is incredible. The writing is fantastic. Great direction. Literally so good. The lighting, as Eduardo said, 
fabulous. And the costumes are great, whether they're on or off the actors. Yeah. I had to throw it in there. You I know mean, me, it's, Adele. It's, you know it's me. Eye, eye candy for the ages as well. But I think there's something for everyone in the show. For sure. God, it feels like we're doing paid sponsorship for Tegna. I know. Well, listen. Which we have been doing on our Patreon we for have, over a year. Yeah, I can't believe we didn't mention that to any of the guys. Today. I know. We have been talking about Take Me Out for it'll be a year soon. That's insane. It is an amazing play. If y'all aren't convinced to see it now, go see it. Well, anyway, Dylan, this was so fun. It was so fun. Great idea, Connor. I'm glad we did it. Y'all follow us on Twitter. Follow us on Instagram. We're at The Drama Podcast. We are on TikTok now. Subscribe to our Patreon. Patreon.com backslash The Drama Podcast. Yes, we might even be releasing some clips from these chats. We'll see. Listen, I'll see you next time. Drama! Drama!